Lunatics Unite. You're listening to Let Them Eat Grass, a podcast exploring real food, broken ecosystems, and a better way to live. I'm Austin Williams, your farmer and podcast host. I made this podcast for you because I never could figure out who to trust when it came to honestly talking about real food. When I began farming, all the people I started to read were trustworthy, but weren't talking at a basic enough level for me. That's not cool. I envision a podcast hosted by a farmer, but dedicated to normal people, not other farmers. The topics would cover big ideas that matter on a quarter acre plot of land, like you might live on. So I'm dedicating this show to you, the lunatics, the crazies, who have chosen to opt out to stray beyond the safe and familiar confines of grocery store walls to support a farmer. And not just any farmer, but a farmer whose mission is to heal the land and nourish the people. You see, conventional farms are dying. We've been losing farmers for well over a century now. When 100% of us eat and only 1% of us farm, we have a math problem. Help me do the math by sticking around, listening closely, and voting with your forks to support real food. Stay with me, won't you? Hey, lunatics. You're listening to this new thing that I just created, dreamed up really, called Off the Record. And... Unlike my usual show, which is more or less produced and I do a lot of takes, this one is going to be more spontaneous, more extemporaneous. I don't really have an end goal in mind. No, that's a lie. I do have an end goal. But I don't necessarily know how I'm going to get there yet idea is that this is going to be the stuff that doesn't quite make the cut of the usual show. It will vary what it is from week to week, but it's going to be stuff that didn't go the way that I thought it would. And you know, I hope you can take something away from that because I'm going to tell you what I learned. And I'm going to share with you some of my lower moments uh, as a farmer and some of the the struggles that I went through. I was actually recently approached by one of our customers uh, who requested some, like a kind of a pick-me-up podcast episode. An episode that talked about the times when it seemed like we didn't know how we were going to go forward and it, it just seemed hopeless because her husband um, is a bit of a pessimist. He doesn't know, and they're, they want to farm. He doesn't know how they're going to be able to do it. You know, to him, it looks like you know, we're sitting over here on this you know, gold shining hill of you know, perpetual sunshine and rainbows, and you know, all of our animals listen to us, and we've been doing this for our whole lives, and you know, yada, 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 but that's not the case. So... I'm going to tell you about a couple things that have happened off the record, officially, unofficially, off the record. And 
I hope you can take something away from it. And this whole episode today is going to be thematically related to time. I've been thinking a lot about time recently. And I, I thought back to when I was a kid and how little time meant to me. I mean, I would, you know, spend all day without looking at a clock. You know, I would call up my friend. I specifically remember calling him and just asking him two words every day. I'd just say, want to play? It didn't matter where. It didn't matter when. We just knew that we wanted to be together. Time was of absolutely no consequence to us. And that, as an adult, like, I can't imagine going back to that time, <laughs> that time and place. It's incredible to me that we build our lives around something like time. Like, it's totally random. It's arbitrary. You know, it's something that, you know, there's no reason why we've decided that there are 24 hours in a day and there's 60 seconds in a minute. Like, it's this arbitrary unit that we've built our whole lives around and that we get stressed out if we don't get someplace on time or if um, we don't know what time it is, we get stressed out. When, if you think about it, like, it's like almost like we're getting stressed out because we don't know you know, what the earth looks like in its rotation. at Like, like that's the closest thing that time actually resembles is, you know, earth's position relative to the sun or, you know, earth's position in, from turning, making one complete rotation. Like, that's what time is. And we, like, our blood pressure rises because we don't know. So I spent a lot of my life trying not to worry about time. And that persistence stayed with me even until I got into farming. And I had this realization, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to not worry about time, I would try to not plan my days because I didn't want to believe that my days were already spoken for before they had already happened. I mean, that just seemed preposterous to me. Like, that's stupid. Like, I want to believe that my days are still somewhat free. Until I realized that my days, by the way that I was not planning them, they were already spoken for. And I would do things so inefficiently and bumble through things that if I had planned ahead of time, I could have better prepared for. Like, by not planning, I had planned to use up all my time already on frivolous things. So I really had to grapple with time. And there's this thing that we do in our farm, and I think that there's a lot of potential uses far beyond farming. In whatever profession you find yourself, in whatever stage of life you find yourself, whether you're parents, not parents, whether you know, you're a farmer, not a farmer, um, it's this thing we call two-second improvements. And 
we are always trying to look for ways to reduce the time it takes for us to do something on the farm. So if we see a way to, you know, for instance, if we leave this one gate closed every other day and only open it when we need to, rather than closing it every single time, you could look at, you know, one, that's, you know, the time it takes to open a gate every other day over the course of the entire year. Now, this came most painfully into clear focus for me when we were starting our dairy operation. And in our dairy operation, when we started, and we started with 10 cows, I drove 50 miles before we got the cows just to milk a cow. Like I had, I was so green. I had no idea. So we get these cows, we get this milker. And when I initially start, I mean, I'm just dumping the milk. I mean, because the cows are getting used to our farm. We don't feel comfortable selling the milk and it still takes me four or five hours a day to do everything that I need to fast forward a month. I start, you know, whittling down the time I start to see like, okay, like, you know, I can do this, this way, that, that way. All of a sudden it becomes time to start selling the milk. And instead of just dumping the milk, all of a sudden now I have to bottle it. Like I have to keep a clean environment. I have to bottle the milk and I have to be able to sleep at night knowing that other people are going to drink the milk. So when we started bottling the milk, it took me six hours to work these 10 cows between prepping, milking, and cleanup. Six hours. I remember the lowest point that I reached. I called David, and I was, I was crying because I had tried to take the sink in my basement and I was trying to take, I was, I tried to hook it up to a hose and hook it up to um, our, a, a spigot off of our washing machine downstairs. And I had done it in the morning. I hadn't really prepared to do it. I was just kind of hoping it would work and it totally failed. It didn't, um, the, it wouldn't screw on right. It was leaking water everywhere. And I was just called them. I was just crying because I realized that I had failed. It was 11 a.m. And I still had six hours worth of milking ahead of me. And so this was when my true journey of two-second improvements began. Because he asked me, he's like, why don't you ask your wife to help you? And this was just like, you know, I was thunderstruck because not only had she mentioned that to me a couple days before and I just kind of brushed her off and said, oh no, I'll be okay. Um, I had not asked her to do any work once we got, once we became pregnant um, once again, I, as she would say, I give myself a little bit too much credit for that. Um, once she became pregnant, um, I, I just was like, Hey, I want you to take care of yourself. Like 
you know, take it easy. You, you don't need to be out with me on the farm. And so I was in my time of greatest need, also ignoring my greatest asset. So that morning I asked her to come with me to the farm and help me bottle. And that is probably the single greatest improvement I made my in my entire time milking because it I went from doing everything in six hours to doing everything in four hours. I mean, I shaved two hours off the time it took me to milk just by having her there. Like, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. It was incredible. So the next improvement we made was I was, everything was getting dirty. So I decided instead of having that sink stay in my house's basement, I just brought it to the farm and I hooked up this garden hose as a drain. And I didn't even try to hook up like flowing water into the the faucet head. I just hung this hose above it. And to this day, that is what we use to wash off all of our pieces of equipment. And all of a sudden, what, what had originally been really muddy because we would just wash off the equipment and the water would go straight onto the floor and it, everything would get more muddy. All of a sudden, everything became a hundred times more clean. And what do you know? Shaved like 30 to 45 minutes off of just being frustrated and cleaning stuff up. I would, I got down to the point where, you know, I was deciding, well, if I just leave this door open, you know, I don't have to turn the knob every time. Um, It got down to the, the point where I knew exactly what order the cows needed to be in, in order for them to milk quickest. Some cows give more, some cows give less, some don't give anything at all. And if you have them in the right order, you can be constantly working. But if you just kind of have them in a random order, it's not going to work as well. I started to clean off the next cow while I was milking a cow. I wouldn't just stay you know, looking at the machine as it milks, like I would busy myself in the middle. So we recently did our quickest time ever and we finished everything between prep, milking and bottling and cleanup in two hours and five minutes. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, that's, that is testament to the power of a two-second improvement. Like, all these seconds just add up so much. And, you know, but here I am. Like like I said before, like, I'm <laughs> this random piece of time that I've decided to measure. Like, I'm, you know, I, I wake up in the morning and, and start thinking about time, and I start thinking about, like, what can I do to save more of those seconds? And it's it's funny because at the, at the same time, it's not real. You know, I always, I should say I always, um, that's getting ahead of myself. It's like, I wonder how many years of my life that I could get back if 
I could see myself making a mistake, if I could see myself doing something inefficient and just shake myself and let myself know how much I'm going to regret that later. You know, sometimes it's like, you know, as soon as I do something wrong or I, or I, so, something that had been brewing for, you know, days or weeks or, or however long, all of a sudden finally comes into painful focus. I'm, I realize like, oh my gosh, if I could have just known how poorly this would have turned out, I would never have done it. And here we are, you know, back at time. So I wanted to end today um, on a hopeful note and that turned out a little bit darker than I wanted it to, but that, you know, no matter what you do in your life, no matter what your profession is, no matter what your stage of life is, is that like you, if you use the power of a two second improvement, you can save time. You can totally save time. But it's also important to realize that time is completely arbitrary. It's, it's not real. It's kind of meaningless. There's this been something I've been thinking about a lot recently, uh, and it's this crazy theory on time travel that I heard about that I'll just end today's segment with. And apparently, Albert Einstein was a huge fan of this French science fiction writer, the name of which escapes me, and I'd pronounce it wrong if I knew, so you'll have to do with not knowing it. Anyways, he put forward this notion that time travel is possible. We just can't interact with past events. We can see the past without being able to change it. He proposed that if you were able to, or actually, let me go back. If you are looking at the sun, you're seeing the sun as it was eight minutes ago. If anything happened to the sun, you wouldn't see it for eight minutes. That's how long it takes the light to travel to Earth. Now, if you were to flip that, if you were standing on the sun, first off, you'd be incinerated. But if you were magically not incinerated, and if you were looking at the Earth, you would technically be seen eight minutes into the Earth's past. Because that's how long it takes the light reflected off the Earth's surface to travel back to the sun. So, if you just back that up a little bit, if you were to say double your distance from the Earth to the Sun. So instead of being 93 million miles away, you're 186 million miles away. You would be able to see 16 minutes into the Earth's past. Now, the problem is, is that since light travels at light speed, you know, you would always be, you would never be able to gain time because, you know, there's nothing we have that's fast enough to travel faster than light. But 
If you could travel faster than light, if you could travel at say two or three or a hundred or a million times the speed of light, you could, and if you were able to travel far enough away and take out a really, really high-powered telescope and point it at the Earth, you could see into the Earth's past because the light from you know, 1850, from you know, 250 BC, is just reaching this one point in space. If you could get to that point in space, you could see Hannibal crossing the Alps. You could see Jesus Christ, you know, being born. You could see you could see the ice age happening. Like you can look into the past if you can get far enough away. And if you can get there fast enough. That's all I have for today. Thanks.